More than 60 years after the civil rights movement, riots against police brutality and racism persist in the United States. In this context, there is a desire to talk about a strong, dignified, and activist couple. So today, I have chosen to tell you about Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott King. This episode does not aim to delve into the details of their struggles. That is not the purpose of this podcast. Today, I am telling you a story of segregation, courage, and hope. Nineteen sixty-eight, Memphis, Tennessee. It is April fourth, seven o five p.m., and Martin Luther King Jr. has just been declared dead. An hour earlier, on the balcony of the Lorraine Motel, he was shot in the throat. He was thirty-nine years old. He was a pastor, and he had just played a major role in American history. Coretta Scott King could not have predicted this prophetic fate when she first met him fifteen years earlier in nineteen fifty-two. That year, Coretta had just earned her music degree from Antioch College in Yellow Springs, Ohio. She packed her bags and headed to Boston to continue her studies at the New England Conservatory of Music, specializing in opera and violin. Coretta was born in 1927 in Marion, Alabama. Her father quickly abandoned his career as a police officer to pursue projects with his wife. They owned various shops and later a farm. Coretta's mother, Bernice, was a dynamic and inspiring woman. In addition to managing the businesses with her husband, she played the piano at church and worked as a bus driver. Every day, she would drop off her children and all the other African American children in the area. The nearest school for black children was 14 kilometers away. School, an inspiring place for Coretta from a young age, she became the lead soprano in the college choir. She also played piano, trumpet, and excelled in school performances. She was an intelligent and highly creative young girl. Coretta's awakening as an activist took place during her time at Yellow Springs, long before she met her future husband. She joined the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. At the same time, she worked as a babysitter for young John Lithgow, who would later become a globally renowned actor. So, when she arrived in Boston, Coretta was already an independent young woman, confident in herself and her convictions. She had no plans to meet a man. In Boston, Martin Luther King Jr. was also far from home. He was born in Atlanta, Georgia, two years after Coretta. His father, Martin Luther King Sr., was a Baptist preacher, and his mother served as the church organist. Martin was a precocious and brilliant boy. He skipped two grades in high school and enrolled at Morehouse College in Atlanta. At the age of 18, after earning his bachelor's degree in sociology, Martin made a decision: he would become a pastor. After careful consideration, he believed that the church was the most obvious means to fulfill his deepest aspiration. To bring meaning and share humanity. Before we continue with this episode, a short break to give the floor to our partner, without whom this podcast wouldn't exist. Don't go away. We'll be right back. In 1951, he received his bachelor's degree in theology from Chester, Pennsylvania. He went to Boston for his doctorate. One day, he asked a friend if she knew any girls on campus whom he should meet. She had someone in mind, but when Coretta heard about Martin, she initially refused. A theology doctoral student and a future pastor—he must be boring. Her friend insisted. 
Martin and Coretta first discovered each other through phone conversations. Even before meeting in person, Martin was charmed. He sensed that she had a strong personality and was intelligent. When Coretta tells the stories of her meeting with Martin, she doesn't talk about love at first sight. She is surprised by his short stature, but there is an undeniable connection between them. Their early dates were dedicated solely to discussions. They debated about everything, particularly politics and racial issues. They wanted to change the world. At that time, Coretta was almost more committed than Martin. He was captivated. She was everything he had always sought, intelligent, beautiful, and spirited. Two weeks after they met, he wrote to his mother with the news. Mom, I've met my wife. The wedding didn't happen right away. Coretta met Martin's family, and his father was not supportive of their union. He believed that his son could find someone better. He didn't consider Coretta's career aspirations in music to be serious enough. However, Martin's sister defended Coretta. Eventually, Martin Luther King Sr. gave them his blessing, and he officiated their wedding. The ceremony took place on June 18, 1953, in the garden of Coretta's parents. In the vows they exchanged, there was no mention of a wife's obedience to her husband. That was Coretta's condition for the union. After Martin graduated, he was offered a position as a pastor in Montgomery, Alabama, and that's where they settled. It's where they welcomed their first daughter, Yolanda, and it's where the fight of their lives would begin. On December 1, 1955, a young woman named Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat to a white person on a bus. She was arrested. This marked the beginning of the Montgomery bus boycott, led by Martin, with Coretta always by his side. In 1956, Coretta was at home with a friend. Yolanda was asleep in her room. Coretta heard what sounded like a brick being thrown against the porch. She had the presence of mind to move toward the back of the house as a bomb devastated the front room. Miraculously, all three of them emerged unharmed. After that incident, both Martin's father and Coretta's father traveled to Montgomery together. They wanted to persuade the couple to leave the city, or at least convince Coretta and the baby to do so. Without hesitation, she refused. More than ever, she knew she wanted to support Martin in every moment of his struggle. She was no longer afraid of dying. Their fight took them across the country. They traveled thousands of miles. They walked alongside the oppressed, standing with those who had always been silenced. They marched peacefully, despite the deep hatred unleashed against them, despite the violence and attempts to suppress them, even leading to the murders of activists. Together, side by side, Coretta and Martin made an immense impact on history. In 1964, Martin became the youngest recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize. Martin's assassination in 1968 sparked a wave of racial riots in 60 cities across the country. A national day of mourning was declared, the first for an African-American. Just four days after Martin's death, Coretta stepped in to deliver a speech in front of black sanitation workers who were victims of discrimination. She assured them, we will continue to pursue his work so that all may truly be free. And she did. Throughout her life, Coretta continued their shared commitments with Martin. She expanded them to new causes that were close to her heart, such as the fight for LGBT rights. In 1996, she delivered a speech at the opening of the Atlanta Gay Pride event. Coretta Scott King passed away in 2006 at the age of 78. She left us just a few months after Rosa Parks. Two women, two symbols? Coretta would not have appreciated that term. She once said, I am not a ceremonial symbol. I am an activist. I didn't emerge after Martin's death. I was always there, engaged.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Love Me, Love Me Not. If you enjoy this podcast, please let others know by giving us a rating and leaving comments on your favorite listening platform.